So if you're looking at a tribulation and you're like, I don't know if I could put up with that, note this, grace will come that will be absolutely sufficient. Count on your God and lean on him. May God get all the glory. Well, huge opportunity for us to just take a little time to remember Christ and all that he's done. And in fact, it's going to fit very well with the sermon today and looking at the church of Smyrna and all that he's calling them to. And so we just wanted to be able to walk through that a little bit. Hey, remember, we're in a series here. The series of the revelation of Jesus, the whole book of Revelation is actually about Jesus and owned by Jesus, right? It's all about his second coming. And so as we're talking through this front three chapters now, it's called Wake Up Call. That's what this series is called, Wake Up Call. It's a call to the church to understand who Christ is and how we can live for him. It's a huge deal for us to go after that. Wake up call. There's seven churches being described. We looked at the first one last week, and we're going to look at the second of the seven churches here today, the church of Smyrna. And uh, so turn with me, if you will, to Revelation chapter 2, starting in verse 8. Revelation 2, starting in verse 8. And uh, you can turn in your booklets that you've got to the, uh, the fourth week there, and we're going to go after it together, all right? So you can get to the fourth week in your booklets, and we're on Revelation chapter 2, starting in verse 8. And uh, the call to the church of Smyrna, hang on. Hang in there. That's what the sermon title is called, hang on. And so point number one, do not fear false accusation or even attack, for you belong to Jesus. Do not fear false accusation or even attack, for you belong to Jesus. He starts out here and he says, and to the angel of the church in Smyrna, the words of the first and the last who died and came to life, I know your tribulation and your poverty, that you are rich, and that the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, these supposed Jews, are of the synagogue of Satan. Let's just hold right there. He says, and to the angel of the church in Smyrna, and to the angel of the church in Smyrna. Remember, we talked about this a couple weeks back, but this goes all the way back to the vision of Jesus at the end of chapter one. The son of man, this beaming face of glory, the white robe, the golden sash, he's standing amongst the seven golden lampstands. It's the picture that we've got in week chapter two, and you can go back there and look at it whenever you want, but it's the seven lampstands around him, and he's holding the seven stars in his hand, and he said, the seven stars represent the angels, or the messengers to the churches and the lampstands represent the churches. And so we have the seven lampstands, the churches, and the messengers to them. And remember the word angel, it means messenger. It can be used for the divine messenger like we would think of when we hear the word angel, but it could also mean human messenger. There were a number of different people within scripture that were called uh, messengers, angels, and using this exact word. And so probably this is actually a human, a pastor that's being called out. If you think about it, why would God tell John to tell an angel, right? God's telling John to tell other people and he's getting the word out. And so we have that going on. This is really a messenger of the church, one of the pastors bringing some message to him. He says, to the angel of the church in Smyrna, Now, this city is just about 40 miles up from Ephesus, so just a really, not far away at all, right? 35, 40 miles away and very similar in culture and content and area there. It says, to the angel of the church in Smyrna, the words of the first and the last who died and came to life. He's like, this is what Jesus said. This is what he said about himself. 
So Jesus describes himself and he says, the words of the first and the last, the alpha and omega, the beginning and the end, the one who speaks and it is, and the one who speaks and it is done, Jesus Christ, in all of his power and all of his authority, he is the first and the last. And this is Jesus, everybody say it's Jesus. Right, so this is Jesus, he's calling it out, he's talking and describing himself. He said, who died and came to life. He's like, I died and I rose again. I conquered death and I conquered sin. Jesus Christ, he is the almighty one. He is the one who has given us hope and life and victory forever. Jesus Christ, he is alive. Everybody say he's alive. And that's our hope. That's the power and the passion that we've got, that he is the first and the last. He has died, but he is risen and he is alive. He says to the church at Smyrna, I know your tribulation and your poverty. He's like, I know it's hard. I know you're going through tough times, tribulation, like the circumstances are difficult. I know that there's things washing on your shore that are hard. And this tribulation that is tough includes poverty. This word here, poverty, this doesn't mean like lacking a little bit of money. This is a word that was chosen that means extremely poor. Like lacking so much in the realm of economic wealth just doesn't have it. Huge issue and struggle. As they're struggling with poverty and tribulation in the midst of all of it, and you might be like, well, how, how can that be? Like, what's going on? Just so you know, the, the church of Smyrna was in the city of Smyrna, and Smyrna was actually a very large metropolis. We're going to talk a little bit more about the city in a little bit, but it was a very large city, right? A couple hundred thousand people going on there, and, and uh, that was big for back then. And this couple hundred thousand, it had a lot of business going on. There was a lot of wealth rolling. There was a ton taking place there that was easy to get wealthy in. So people had their own businesses. People were well-to-do. So why is this church so poor? Well, the reality is they chose to stand against what was going on. Just so you know, the Roman emperors would mandate that you worship them as a god. And they're like, yeah, we're not doing that. And so there was going to be a lot of economic sanction on them and pressure down on them. They were receiving economic sanctions because they would say, yeah, I'm not going to bow to you. I bow to Jesus Christ alone and I won't do that. And he's like, well, then you're going to pay the price. Right? You bow to me or else. And so there were things taking place in that regard. But it was more than that. They also had friends who were like, dude, what is this Jesus thing? And so they had people who refused to do business with them, people who pulled away from them, people who wouldn't help them. They were isolated and alone within a massive wealthy metropolis and they were poor and they were struggling. That's the church of Smyrna. There was a lot of heartache going on in the midst of it. He says, but you are rich. Notice how in many of your Bibles it's in parentheses. He's like, you are rich. Let's make sure we understand here what we're talking about. Christ is like, I know I just described the physical and it's bad. There's pain and there's struggle and there's tribulation and there's poverty. But spiritually, you are rich. You have eternal life. You are a child of God. He's like, let me just remind you of the eternal that you have. 
Maybe here's a great verse to tie with it. James chapter 2, verse 5. James in chapter 2 was also talking about poverty and began to remind them of their spiritual wealth. And in James 2, verse 5, he says, But you are rich in faith, and you are heirs of the kingdom. He's like, don't forget, you are rich in faith. You are a prince or a princess in the kingdom of the king who owns everything. That's you. Don't forget that you are headed into a kingdom that will last forever. It is stunningly, perfectly glorious, and that's where you will reside forever. You have inheritance built in that. Keep looking to eternity. And have you ever struggled through the present and had to keep your mind on the future? Those are tough calls, hard moments, but a real call and a practical call. May we constantly have our worship centered on the spiritual and the forever. May God get all the glory. And all of God's people said, he's like, you are rich. And then he says, and the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not. He's like, you are under tribulation, you are under poverty, and you are under slander. You know what slander is, right? That's when somebody says something about you and it's not true. That's when somebody accuses you? No, never happened. Slander. Have you ever been under slander? Have you ever had somebody falsely accuse you and start spreading word and the word gets out and things are having to, dude, that's hard. That is a hard moment to have to manage and to be able to keep your worship centered and Lord God, may you get all the glory as we let truth and time come together and oftentimes you just have to let it play itself out. There are moments you can try to help somebody understand, but the reality is a lot of times they don't even want to. That's why they're there. Slander. And there's this huge, massive attack going down. It is tough to sit under and the ones doing it, they're from the inside. They are Jews, or they say they're Jews, but they're not. These are people who are saying they understand the Old Testament, and they say they understand Old Testament covenant. They say they understand the Messiah and are looking for the Messiah. They may be even hanging in or around the church, but they refuse to embrace that Jesus is the Messiah. They refuse to embrace that Jesus is the hope and the answer and the fulfillment of all things Old Covenant. They refuse to embrace that everything is done in him. They refuse to embrace the book of Hebrews. Like, no, man, we're not going to be there. We won't accept it, and you're wrong for it. They're saying this about the Messiah. They started twisting words and shaping and shifting things. And whether these people got inside the church or they were right on the doorstep of the church, they were Jews in the community who were attacking and saying, they're trying to say that this is a fulfillment of that. It's not. And they were tearing down hard. These Jews, he says, they are Jews and they are not. What's he saying? When he says they are not, he's saying they're not actually following Yahweh. They're not listening to the God of the Old Testament who is now revealing to us the Messiah fulfilled. It's Jesus. They're missing it. This isn't true Israel. These are people who are trying to go by actions of the Old Testament and just make that what it is and reject Jesus outright. Everybody say that's a terrible plan. Yeah, it's a terrible plan and they were going after it hardcore, these Jewish people. He says, let me give you a little more description, these supposed Jews. They're of the synagogue of Satan. Dude, 
ouch. Those are some harsh words from Jesus. What is he saying? He's like, yeah, they go to synagogue each week. They're not worshiping me. Now they're going to synagogue. They don't know Yahweh. The movement that's happening in their heart is coming from Satan himself. There is evil coming down. There is attack coming on. There is horrible things happening all in the name of Yahweh. It is slander of his name too, guys. Hang on. Just hang in there. The stuff being said will work itself out in time. And I know, I know what's coming. The synagogue of Satan. Dude, those are some firm words in talking about somebody who's actually striving in some way to try to get real with a God of some sort in their mind. And they're showing up at synagogue every week, but they're actually missing who Messiah, Savior Jesus is. He's like, yeah, they're not with me. Remember Satan's battle cry? I will be like the most high. And that was these guys' battle cry. I'm going to lift myself up. I'm not going to lift Jesus up. That's a huge moment of teardown. Jesus says, do not fear what you are about to suffer. Now, I got to tell you, if you were getting a letter that said, hey, um, I know you're suffering a lot. I know it's hard. Wouldn't you expect the next sentence to be something a little more like, I'm with you. It's going to be okay. It'll get better soon, right? Wouldn't you expect it to be like, hang on, it's about ready to, right? Something a little, and he's like, I know it's hard. Don't be afraid of what's coming. It's going to get harder, right? That's what he just said. Don't fear for what you are about to suffer. I just wrote these words down, kind of pondering on that this week. Fear. Fear wells up when we focus on the problem, not the problem solver. Fear wells up when we focus on the problem, not the problem solver. It's a really big deal that we get that. When our fear starts raging, it's because we are staring at the problem and learning all of its little intricacies and what ifs, and we are not looking at our great God, the problem solver. Fear wells up when we are focusing on the problem rather than the problem solver, okay? It's a huge deal, and he's like, don't fear. He's basically saying, don't stare at them. Look at me. Don't stare at those struggles that are washing on your shore. Hang on. You just hang on and hang with me. I'm right here with you. Don't fear, even in the midst of what's about to come. And then he says, behold. And when we see the word behold, we say, Yeah, check it out. Now, usually when we see the word behold and check it out, we're like, this is an awesome, amazing fulfillment of God that we get to celebrate. And here the behold is, we get to see that God has it in hand, that God is sovereign over all, that God knows everything. But the things he knows, take a look at. It says, behold, the devil is about to throw some of you in prison that you may be tested. (laughs) This is the encouragement letter, right? (laughs) It's like, hey, I just want you to know, I'm aware. And the devil's going to be throwing some of you in prison. He's waking them up and getting them prepared for the real that's about to happen in their life. And just so we're super clear, notice it says the devil's going to throw you in prison, right? Make sure we're really clear on that, because probably there's going to be actually involved governors, 
local magistrates, some kind of legal element within the community, lies from somebody, the slanders are going to be taken as true. And you could start to say, well, that guy lied. That's why I'm in prison. That guy made some dumb rule about that's why I'm in prison. That guy wouldn't listen. The, the, the governor wouldn't take, he wouldn't properly manage. Their, and all of a sudden we're mad at people. Please hear me. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against principalities and powers and spiritual darkness and high places. Man, Satan moving in this dark world. Be careful. All too often, we start to make our battles human. But that guy said, well, that guy's doing. Well, that guy shouldn't have done. And all of a sudden, we're calling out the people, but we're not seeing the movement or the force behind it. And Satan is the one moving here that's going to be putting them in prison. Please know this, all under the sovereign hand of God. God is allowing. Everybody say allow. Satan doesn't get to do anything without God saying okay to that. So when Jesus says, hang on, here's what Satan's going to get away with. He's like, I am allowing that. That's the behold. My sovereign hand on it. And I know it's coming. And I'm going to let this go through. Hang on. Satan says the devil is about to throw some of you in prison that you may be tested. I love this statement because here's what's really going on. Satan is that you may be broken. He's trying to tear down their faith. He's trying to rip their belief apart that you might be broken. And Jesus, that you might be restored, that you might be lifted up, that you might be made more like me that your faith might be made stronger. Have you ever noticed that when we go through hard stuff, that's when our faith gets stronger? I, don't you wish it was the other way around? Like when I relax on the beach and I'm just hearing that soft blue water roll in, that's when I get so faithfully strong. No, that's when we get weak. We start softening down. Nothing wrong with beach trips, right? And all of God's people said, right? No emails on that one, right? But, but through <laughs> But the reality is, when we get into our struggle, we oftentimes start to really bear down. And Christ is like, I'm telling you, I'm going to shape you and grow you. Hang on, I'm going to move you. Here's one thing we need to keep in mind. Remember, this letter, the book of Revelation, is actually to all seven churches. And that means each one of them is hearing what everybody else gets told. So the book of Ephesus, or the church at Ephesus, we just looked at last week, they were challenged with, you've lost your first love. You're, you're within this little box and you're acting right and holy, but it's not because you love me. You're just saying, not like them, right? Now the church at Ephesus, here's what Smyrna's going through. Your abject poverty. You're about to be thrown in prison. You're being slandered. You love me. You're with me. And you're getting punished for it. Can you imagine how the church at Ephesus feels when you're 35 miles away? Can you imagine? That's like us getting a note and they're like, Church of Peoria, and here's what's going on, and I love this about you, and if you could work on, and by the way, Church of Bloomington, you're going to go to prison and it's going to be rough. And we're like, whoa, what's going on over there? That's not going on here. The wake-up call to all of them. And they're being told very clearly, hey, there's going to be some transition in your life, and Jesus like, that you're going to be tested, that I'm going to make you more like me. Remember the battle cry from Ephesus was, not that needs to be set down like you, Jesus, like you. And that's what he's saying here. 
Get this battle cry on. Like you, Jesus. Everybody just say, like you, Jesus. With that battle cry, we can start leaning into struggles and watching God do amazing things, even when it hurts. Lord God, may you get all the glory. He then gives him a little bit of reprieve. He says, and for 10 days, you will have tribulation. And for 10 days, you will have tribulation. Now, taking a plain sense read, there's not any reason to think this isn't 10 days, right? For 10 days, like for a week and a half, this is going to go down for a short time. Like, and you could say, well, I think it's metaphorical for short. You could see that, right? When you come up to somebody and you're like, hey, do you got a minute so we can talk? You know, you're not going to set your watch and it's 60 seconds, right? You mean a short time. So we put a number, but we mean a, and it could be that it's something like that, but probably even more than that, it's exact. Like they're going to be able to worship God when on the 10th day they're released. And they're like, this is amazing. It was dead called out. Christ knew exactly what was going on. Just so we're super clear, uh, prison terms in that time weren't for punishment. The, hey, you're going to be in prison for 20 years to punish you for that action. That didn't happen. You were put in prison to be held for a time while your hearing was had. And then when that was had, you were either whipped or beaten or released or worse, your life was taken. There was something that happened based on that hearing and it was aggressive. Prison was not really for rehab. You know what I mean? So a 10 day prison term would have been actually something reasonable to expect, a shorter time in there and uh, to be growing you and shaping you in the midst. Remember, they're there because of slander. They're there because of wrong statements. They're there because somebody has decided to not worship an emperor and they're gonna worship God Almighty and that's the end of it. Like these are hard moments where they are doing the right thing and they're loving the Lord their God with all they've got. Notice that this church is not challenged to love God. This church is challenged to hang on. You're loving me and I'm gonna grow you in it. Let's go after it together. May God get all the glory. Now, we've used this illustrate before, but we'll use it again. It works really well. When we are dealing with our struggles, oftentimes we take our struggle and we pull it up really close. So everybody just take your thumb and hold it up. Okay, just hold your thumb out in front of you. Now pull it really close to one eye and close the other eye. So basically all you're seeing is your thumb and maybe a little of me way off in the distance, right? So you got that? This is when we're fearful. This is when we're afraid. We're staring at the problem. We're getting it so, uh, we know every detail of that problem. It just starts freaking us out. And and then he says, don't fear. Now take your thumb and pull it way away. Hold it out in front of you so you can see the whole stage up here. Imagine Christ in all of his glory. You're holding your problem up and you see Christ and all of his glory. This is how we should approach our lives. Man, make sure you take your problem and get it well out ahead of you and you see God and all of his glory beyond. May God get all your worship. This, everybody say bad plan. This is exactly where our worship lies. In the middle of our struggle, may God get all the glory. So simple question, what's your thumb that you bring way too close to your eye? What's your struggle that distracts you in huge ways? What do you need to start to pull away and see in light of all that God is? May he get all the glory, okay? Point number two, be ready to be tested even unto death. Be ready to be tested even unto death. 
He says, be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. He says, be faithful. He's like, listen, you're gonna go to jail and some of you, it's gonna go well, you're gonna be released. But for some, it may not be faithful even unto death. There are some in Smyrna that were gonna be facing the loss of their life because they stood for Jesus Christ and all that he is. They had a, an understanding that their accusation was going to possibly bring a tough, tough end. Be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. Those who are faithful unto death, man, will that say, I really say that's saved. Right, when you're hanging in there with Christ, you claimed him as your savior, you're trusting him along the way, you are a conqueror through and through when you're faithful with your God, even in the midst of struggle, ups and downs and all, and you're grasping who he is, we're faithful to the end with him. Dude, that's what saved is. It's not the, yeah, I guess I'll believe Jesus as long as it's going well, and as soon as it goes bad, I'm done with him. Dude, that's not saved. You are my king. No matter what, I worship you. Right, I'm in. It doesn't mean we don't have tears. It doesn't mean it's not hard. But it does mean, Lord God, with you, I'm with you. May you get all the glory. He says, be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. There is a reward for those who are saved. There is a reward for those who are trusting in Jesus to the end, the crown of life. It means eternal life forever living with your God forever in heaven, celebrating him with all you've got. Crown of glory, crown of life. These are different rewards that are given. This one, eternal life. Everybody say eternal. Our hope is to get our eyes on the future, the eternal, the spiritual, the God-honoring, God-celebrating when everything is corrected and right. Praise God, that's what's coming. And while this world may wash junk on our shore, don't get too close to staring at it. Be careful with how much detail you know about all that's wrong and the lack of detail you know about how great your God is. May he get all the glory. And know this man, when God calls us to these sufferings, to these struggles, this side of heaven, he is absolutely calling us with grace intact. He is working with you. He is loving on you. He is preparing your soul like you could not believe. As he is talking to this church and he's calling them out and he's saying, get ready, there's some suffering coming. He's saying, listen to me, I know what's happening and I'm with you and I'm pouring your grace, my grace onto you right now. Hang on as I prepare your soul to be ready for this journey. That's God in our lives. Just so you know, if you've ever seen somebody going through something hard and you look at it and you're like, dude, I could never go through that. Well, what you're really saying in other words is, God has not yet poured on me the grace I would need to be walking through that tribulation. Sure, that's absolutely true. God pours on us the grace we need to walk through whatever he's gonna call us through. You're trusting him. The moment you start looking at tribulation and go, do I have that mojo? Like, do I have that strength? Can I make myself go through that? You're missing it. This is my God will walk me through. May he get all the glory. You gotta see it this way, man. Every struggle we face, God pours on his grace so that then we can step into it and remain faithful. Praise be to God. Ready? And all of God's people said,
Amen, man. This past week has been a tough week. We've had a number of different people in the hospital and a ton of different struggles going on and just a lot of heartache along the way. And um, one specific family that we were working with this week, uh, Pastor Mike and I were talking to him several different times and, and as we were chatting with him at the front end of the week, there was thoughts that it might be appendicitis or something like that. And, and all of a sudden it became a diagnosis of you have a mass in your abdomen that needs to come out it was gonna be done through laparoscopic stuff and then as they got in there, it was too big so they had to cut them open wide and be able to pull this heavier size mass out. Praise God at this point, things have not been damaged around it and all of that, just so you know. I'm just telling you this, man. This is going on with Tim Beck, our artist who was a part of this with Revelation. I'm just telling you, God is bringing it huge as we walk through the middle of Revelation. And as he's beginning to go through this journey this past week and having to have that surgery, as we sat down with him and his wife, I, the words said were just, we all need to hear it at such a simple level. Charlotte's words were, I have never imagined that I could have this kind of peace in this kind of storm. I have never imagined that my worship could be so on fire. Songs being sung, verses being quoted, prayers being shouted out, celebrating to my God in the midst of all that's going on. Normally, I'd be freaking out worrying, her words. And not now. God's been pouring something on and his grace so satisfying. Man, that is God as he walks us through tribulation. And all of God's people said, Never, ever, ever look at the tribulation and start to fear what it is. Your God has it in hand, and your God has you in hand, and he will pour onto you whatever is needed, and he is prepping your heart and prepping your soul in little ways along the way that he might get all the praise and the glory. May we truly celebrate him. This is our call. Lord, I celebrate your grace. It is sufficient and I will not bend. May God get all the glory. And all of God's people said, my God can, my God will, and even if my God doesn't, I will worship him. May God get all the glory. So what is your tribulation going on? What is the struggle in your life taking place. It's time to say, okay, God, pour your grace on. I'm ready to know you deeper and richer and better. May I stop being an expert of the problem and may I start to be an expert of the problem solver. May God get all the glory. And all of God's people said, amen, man. Point number three, he says, be a conqueror for Jesus and you will never taste of the second death, hell. Be a conqueror for Jesus and you will never taste of the second death. Again, here's the recipe that's at the end of all seven of the letters. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Notice the plural. All the churches hearing what each of the churches is being challenged with. Ephesus was like, dude, get back in love with Jesus. Smyrna, I know it's hard. Grace is coming. I've got the measure of how long it's even going to be. You hang on with me. I'm with you. May God get all the glory. 
He says to the ones who need to hear, let them hear. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. The one who conquers, everybody say that's saved. Right, if you're wondering if that's really true, Romans 8, 39 says, for we are all more than conquerors. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. There is nothing that can separate us from the love of Jesus more than conquerors, you. So if you're looking at a tribulation and you're like, I don't know if I could put up with that, note this, grace will come that will be absolutely sufficient. Count on your God and lean on him. May God get all the glory, okay? More than conquerors as we lean on him and run for him. He says, you will not be hurt by the second death. The first death is this body dying. The second death would be eternal separation from God, hell. It actually says in Revelation 20, verse 14, this is the second death, the lake of fire. That's hell. He's like, you will never taste of hell, of the lake of fire, of eternal torment and separation from God. Never feel that if you are saved. Do you know Jesus as your savior? Are you trusting him as Lord? Are you in with him saying, Lord Jesus, you are alive. I believe you are risen. And I confess you as Lord, take over. Lord God, I am ready to taste of your grace and walk through whatever you call me through. May you get all the glory. That's saved. May Christ get all the glory. And he says, for those who are saved, for those who are conquerors, you will never, ever taste of the one called second death, hell. You'll never taste of that. Praise be to God. May God truly get all the glory. Simple challenge for us. Sobering challenge for us. Because let's be honest, America is actually a fairly soft place to live right now. An annoying place, but a soft place. Fair? Right? And as we walk through, know this, we're at most annoyed right now. May we be ready to say, Lord God, your tribulation and you do what you need to do in my life. I worship you. I worship you. Him for me, so me for him. May God get all the glory. And all of God's people said, let's pray. Amen.